Okay, the rest of you. Uh, can you turn to John chapter 17 in your Bible? John chapter 17. If you have been with us a while, we've been preaching through the Gospel of John this whole year. We've got up to John 17. I hope to knock off the whole chapter today. And we're hoping to round it out a little bit more. And then beginning of next year, we'll have preached through the entire Gospel of John. While you're looking to that, let me give you a couple of updates. I've been away for a few days. Um, I was up at a conference up in Bradford, a men's conference um, that my brother, who's part of the pastoral team of the church, invited me to, so I went along. We had an absolutely outstanding time. There's about 1,700 guys uh, worshiping, praising God. I got some great teaching, great input. It was fantastic to be a part of, but I didn't get back till gone midnight last night. So I have this com- I'm on this combination of being a bit kind of wired on God, but also overtired. And so I don't know if they work well together. So if I'm a bit off today, that's why, okay? But it was an excellent time. Loved it. Also, um, this week uh, we had on Wednesday, we had our um, prayer meeting as a church, um, church at prayer that we do every kind of couple of weeks. It was an absolutely outstanding time. I just want to commend it to you. We had, we had t- a couple of our uninterrupted hours in the presence of God where we prayed, we met with God, we had people singing prophetic songs, we had about three by the end. We had people reading scriptures. We prayed into the whole Alpha course we're running now, which is going famously. People are kind of asking questions and wanting to know about Jesus, which is brilliant. We then someone brought them brought a word of knowledge, which is kind of what we hadn't planned. We ended up praying and prophesying over one of the people amongst us because they responded to the word. They had bad back, and we we're praying for that. And then God started speaking to them. It was an absolutely fantastic time. I commend it to you. Our next prayer meeting is on the 26th of November, I think, which is not this Wednesday, the one after. If you can get yourself to it, get to it. It's a brilliant time meeting with God. We're going to be praying to a whole Christmas program, which we're going to announce next week, give out the information um, on, on what's going on there. All right, where are we? John chapter 17. Now, John chapter 17, this is the whole, we're going to do the whole chapter. The reason we're going to do the whole chapter is because it is one prayer. It's one one kind of complete prayer. And what you have here, it's the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in Scripture. Jesus, John says, has come to earth. We know about Jesus because he, he does all those miracles we've heard of. And he does this great teaching. And through the Gospels, you read many times where Jesus goes to pray. It says he withdrew himself from the crowds who were following him. And he, he kind of disappeared. He went up the mountain and he prayed and these kind of come up again and again. So you knew Jesus was a prayer. But actually what we don't find in, as we read the gospel is actually what he prayed about. We sometimes read what they call the Lord's Prayer. But what that was was a response when his disciples came to him and said, teach, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus said, well, this is how you should pray. So it really should be called the Disciples' Prayer, that one, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, etc. Because he taught them. But actually what Jesus prayed is kind of quite sparse in the gospels. But John... One of his closest friends knew him personally and actually wrote down for us a prayer of Jesus. And it's a whole chapter long. And so we actually get an insight into what Jesus actually prayed. He's already mentioned a couple of things in chapter 11, chapter 12. Short prayers Jesus has prayed. There's one at the tomb of Lazarus when he prayed before he rose Lazarus from the dead. And there's one in chapter 12 where he talks about being troubled in spirit because he knows what's going to come ahead. His crucifixion is before him. But what we have here in chapter 17 is a prayer of Jesus, the actual Son of God, praying to His Father in heaven. This is actually what He prayed, and you can break this, um, this sort of prayer into three sections. First of all, Jesus prays for Himself. He then prays for His disciples, and then He prays for the church, you, me, us. He prays for all the believers who would come after the disciples. 
So that kind of spreads all the way down 2,000 years. So we actually prayed for you and for me. And we're going to look at Jesus' prayer together. And we're going to go just take it through um, the three sections. So the first section, let me read the first few verses. Starting at verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given. And this is eternal life, that they know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. What I'm going to do today is we go through the, um, the, the prayer. I want to pick out seven things, seven words that will hopefully encourage you, inspire you, and move you on in your own walk with Jesus. And the first one here we're going to look at is glory. Jesus addresses his Father in heaven. That's just how he taught us to pray, taught his followers to pray, our Father. And so he models that. He prays to his Father in heaven. And we've got to a stage in Jesus' life where he's been talking to his disciples, saying, the hour is, my hour hasn't come. My hour is not yet. The moment that I came to earth hasn't yet arrived and there are instances in the Gospels where they try to force the situation. He's saying, no, it hasn't come. But now he's saying, it has arrived. It's here. My hour is now. All the things that have been planned before the foundation of the world, all those prophetic promises we read through the Old Testament, the fact that I've come to earth, lived this life, that moment is upon us. The hour is here to do everything that kind of God has called me to do. And the interesting thing to know is, Jesus is at that moment where it's like, Everything's come together, but what this doesn't do is inspire him to passivity, thinking it's arrived. Stop. What's it inspire him to do? Pray. In the face of kind of it's all coming together, Jesus' response is, I will pray about this. I will bring this back to my Father in heaven. God's sovereign plan, which was formed in eternity past, and its repercussions will be into eternity future, is coming to its kind of epoch moment, and Jesus' response is, I will pray about this. I'm not going to be sitting passively. I'm going to be actively communicating with my Father about that. And what does he pray? The one thing is he prays. He prays, God, glorify your name. Glorify. I want to bring glory to you, Jesus says. I want to bring honor and exaltation and worship and adoration and homage and thanks to you. That's what I want, God. I want glory to go to you in this situation. And he, how does this work out? A couple of things he mentions there. first one is his eternal life. There's this plan that God has put into creation for those who would follow him, would have eternal life and would be with him. And so that would bring God glory because Jesus says, I've given eternal life to those who are following me. I've worked that out, Lord, to bring glory out of this. And Jesus says in verse 4, I've accomplished the work you've sent me. And think all the things that we've looked at through John's gospel that Jesus has done. How he said he's been obedient to the Father. How he says he's followed the Father. How he says, I only do what the Father's doing. I'm, I, t- I say his words. I do his actions. The miracles, the healings, the words, the great I am statements that we have through John. We've had seven of those. And actually it's like Jesus saying, I've accomplished what you called me to do. And all of that brings you glory because I've been an obedient son. I, I've done what you've asked me to do. And his prayer to his Father in heaven is glorify your name, bring honor and praise out of that. And I think when we think about our life, what's the goal, what's the purpose of your life? As believers, as followers of Jesus, I think we could sum it up pretty well as to bring glory and honor to God. 
That's what kind of we're about. That's one of our, that's our purpose in the world. We're designed to be in relationship with God and rightfully give him thanks and praise. Why? Because he is the only one who is truly worthy of it. He is infinitely perfect. Things that are infinitely perfect, you praise and you keep praising and you can never run out of things to praise about it because it's infinite. It never ends. We praise things of this earth that are, that are shallow and will break and will fall apart in moments and will not last. But God will last forever, will go on forever. And so we praise him and we bring him glory. Then Jesus then moves on into the next section. If we go to verse 6, let's read the next section. He now prays for his disciples. He prays for his followers. And Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the people who you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know everything that you've given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know, um, come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you've given me, given me for they are yours all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them and I am no longer in the world but they are in the world and I'm coming to you holy father keep them in your name which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one while I was with them I kept them in your name which you have given me I have guarded them and not one of them is being lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled but now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak to the, into the world, that they have my, may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your world, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. All right, let's look at the second word I want to look at is chosen. Why did Jesus pray for them? Because they have been chosen out of the world. His disciples, they have been chosen out of the world. I don't know if you know, if you're a believer here, do you know you've been chosen by God? God chose you. It says in Ephesians, he chose you before the foundation of the world. Before you were born, before you've done anything good or anything bad, God chose you for himself. And Jesus is saying about his disciples, I chose them, I brought them to, to myself. He says disciples are now not of the world. They're his followers, they're in the world, but they're no longer of the world. Just like Jesus he says, I'm not of this world. Jesus is a different dynamic because he never was this world. He came into the world, it says. The word became flesh. The disciples were born this way. He said, but now I've taken them out of the world. They're no longer part of what it is. Yes, they're still here, just like we're still here. But actually, the dynamic has shifted. We're now part of a different kingdom, the Bible says. We're no longer part of the kingdom of darkness of this world. We're now part of the kingdom of light. We've been brought into Christ. We're different to the world, and we've been chosen. And Jesus says, these guys, I've chosen them out of the world. And that's why he's praying for them. And he says, I'm, I'm actually going soon. We looked at this a couple of chapters back, didn't he? He says, I'm going. And he even said, what did he say about going? He said, it's good <laughs> that I go because I will send another to you, who the Holy Spirit, and he'll be with you forever. And so Jesus is saying, you've been chosen. I'm leaving, but I'm going to pray for you. I've chosen you. You're still in the world, but you're not of this world. And then what does he pray for them? He says, the third word, he prays for intimacy. He prays for intimacy. 
Jesus then says, he, he's decided, he said why he's going to pray for them. They've been chosen out of the world. But then he starts, Holy Father. Holy brings that transcendent awe of God. It means other. It means different. It, it, it means it's not of us. If something is holy, it is, it is not it is other, it is, it is above, it is different, it is more, it is pure, it is it's beyond us. And God is described as holy. In many places in the Bible, he's described as holy, 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 which is their way of trying to emphasize the fact. God is different to us. He is above us. And Jesus is praying to his Father in heaven saying, well, you are above us. But then what does he stick on in? He says, Father. That is an intimate family term. The Jews at the time would have known God was holy. They had the temple and they had the curtain and they had the sacrifice. You can come into the temple. Things had to die. Blood had to pay for the sin. You were sinful. There was a curtain that said you couldn't get in and there was only the priests were allowed in there and the high priest was allowed in there. God was holy. But Jesus says, actually, he's also your father. He's also your father. When he taught the disciples, he said, pray to your father in heaven. Paul says when the, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will cry out, Abba, Father, that, that intimate, familiar term. We don't have a kind of a, a, a decent translation. Daddy's a bit too trite, but it's that, it's that intimacy. You're connected with something who loves you, and you love them, and you have that, that relationship. And Jesus is praying, actually, look, Father, I want them to have that relationship with you. I want to, just like we have it. Just like he said, and he used this phrase, I keep, keep them in your name, which is keep them in your character, keep them in your revelation, keep them in the, what they've understood about me, keep them in that, keep, that, keep them close to you, so they know you, so they, they understand you, so they have this relationship of you. And Jesus said, the ones that you gave me, I've kept them. There's one who hasn't, Judas. We're going to see it working out later as we read through. Jesus, he, he, he's the one who's going to betray you. He, he's, he's the one who's going to kind of... Do it wrong, but actually in God's sovereign plan, he knew it was happening. It doesn't mean Jesus was some mindless pawn. He, he was used by the devil and he did evil, sinful acts of which he was responsible for. And, but it all fulfilled scripture. And Jesus says, well, there's that one. We knew that was going to happen. One would go his own sinful way. But the others I've kept, they, they keep them in your name. They understand who I am. They, they're, kind of, they're grasping it. And I want them to keep that, um, that relationship, that intimacy with you. They've been taken out of the world to be in relationship with me, to be in relationship with you as a father. And I want them to have that intimacy. God, keep that in them. That's what Jesus is praying. And then he also prays for the fourth word is protection. He says, protect them from the evil one. Because you're not in the world. You're not of the world anymore, disciples. He's saying you're not, you're not in the world, which means the, 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 the prince of this world, the Bible says that the devil hates you. And he, he wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to, to damage you in every possible way. Because you're no longer part of his kingdom. And Jesus is saying, protect them, Lord. Protect them from that. Just like how he prayed in the Lord's Prayer. He told the disciples, pray, wouldn't it? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He's saying, protect them, Lord. And, and, and it's, it's, I bet it was good for the disciples to read that Jesus had prayed for their protection. That actually, come what may in this life, the enemy couldn't take you. Whatever comes in this life, whatever things out, actually, you are not under the power of the enemy. You are under the power of a sovereign God who loves you. And one day you will be with him forever. And so he prays for them. He prays for that protection that while they're on earth, while they're doing um, what he's called them to do, actually, they will be protected from the evil one. And then the fifth word, he prays for a purpose for them. He uses this word sanctify. Sanctify just means set apart for purpose. They've been sanctified. They've been set apart for a purpose. And he's praying that the disciples have been called 
to have a relationship with their Father in heaven, to be with Jesus, but that doesn't terminate on itself. There actually is a purpose behind it. As we know, we read through the rest of the Bible, we read through the book of Acts, what was that purpose? To go and tell others, to communicate to others. What we've learned, what we know, we need to go and tell others. Jesus said, go into all the nations of the world and make disciples. Tell us, we read the book of Acts, and the Spirit comes at Pentecost, just like Jesus promised. 3,000 saved, and it goes on and on to the ends of the earth, and it's still going on today. They have a purpose. They've been set apart for a mission. And for us as believers, when you come into a relationship with God, it's not just to give you goosebumps and sort out your eternity. It's to give you a purpose here and now on earth. It's to give you something to do here and it's a divine purpose. It's an eternal purpose. God's plan is always to have, be, to have a people for himself. We go back to Genesis. What is there? There's the garden. There's Adam and Eve. And he says, you're mine and I'm your God. Fill the earth. Subdue it. And we will have relationship with you. And I will be with you. That's God's plan. I want a people. And I want lots of them because you're going to multiply. It's all broken with sin, Genesis 3. Everything is broken. Man's relationship with God is broken. Man's relationship with man is broken. Man's relationship with woman is broken. Man's relationship with the ground, the created order, is broken. And then God sets a plan in place to bring them back to himself, to bring a people back to himself. Says to Abraham, you know, look at the stars of the sky, the sound of the sea. Your descendants will be like that. And you're, you're going to be my people, and I will bless you, and I'll bless the nations of the earth through you. And all through the Old Testament, we have a people growing, the people of Israel. They're in slavery in Egypt. He brings them out. He settles them in the promised land. They're his people. And then you get the prophetic promises. There's going to be more. There's going to be more. It's no longer going to be this ethnic, cultural group, the Jews, in this one little land in the earth. It's going to go around the whole world. The Gentiles will come in. There will be a light shining and the nations of the world will stream and they'll come and know God. And then we look at the end of the story in Revelation. And there is a crowd before the throne from every nation, every tongue, every people group, worshipping the Lamb. God has always wanted a people for himself. It's never been just this exclusive group. And so the disciples, they've been set apart to sanctify them. Why? For a purpose, for a mission, to go and communicate this to other people. And we'll see this kind of work out as we go through the rest of the gospel. That others would come and be followers. Others would know their Father in heaven. And then the final section, verse 20, let's read that. I do not ask for these only, as in the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Hands up if you believed in Jesus through his word. Jesus is praying for you right here. This, is, this was how many thousand? 2,000 years ago and a bit, maybe. I'm going to pray. Jesus is praying for you that they may, be, may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so the world uh, may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me I've given to them that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me that they may perfectly become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me and I uh, where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I've made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Last two words. First one, unity. Jesus prayed that there was a sense that, that we would be one, 
there is a oneness there. Now, what's, there, what's he talking about when he talks about being one? Well, he's talking about uh, the relationship. He says, just like you and I are one, Father, that kind of that loving relationship between us, that perfect relationship between God the Father, God the Son that exists within uh, the Trinity, is saying, actually, would my followers be like that? Would my followers have that same sense of relationship with God, relationship with their Father in heaven, but that would then connect them as people? That revelation they have of who I am, the word that I have given to my followers, they understand who I am as God the Son, that they would have that among them as a people. It would be something that binds them together. Our commonality was we, we have been saved by the same person, Jesus, and we have the same Father in heaven, and we have the same Holy Spirit in us now, and that we would be connected with that, and that we would be this people who would stand together on this one gospel of Jesus Christ and say this is the only way by which we are saved, this is the only way by which we live, and it's the only way we're going to get to our Father in heaven and be with him forever. This is what means to be unified. We, we stand together on one foundation, and that is Christ. And there's nothing else, and, and nothing separates us outside that. No matter where we come from, the language we speak, our nation background, our kind of cultural background, our ethnicity, nothing separates us but what we have in Christ. And that pulls us together. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this in life where you've met other believers that you just, you don't know. I mean, they're, effectively they're strangers, but suddenly you're a believer, I'm a believer, and there is a connectedness between you that you can't put into words because actually what's in you is in me. <laughs> God's put eternity in you, and he's put it in me, and they're speaking to each other. There's a connection. I have the Holy Spirit in me. You have the Holy Spirit in me. We worship the same God, and suddenly we have a unity, a family unity, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. I've been in situations like that where you've, I've even met people, and I haven't known they're believers, and you start talking to them, you suddenly think, there's something about you that something in me is connecting to. And I don't know what it is. And we're just chatting away and suddenly it comes out. Some, they say something. They drop, you know, they drop the J word. They drop the church word or something. And suddenly they're like, well, are you a believer? I mean too. There was something. They go, there was something about you too. And suddenly it's like we are, we are family together. We can go and worship in other churches all around this nation, nation of the world. And suddenly you come into a group of people you won't know. But actually they're worshiping Jesus. And you can get right beside that. This conference I mentioned I was at yesterday. A bunch of guys. I, I knew one person in the room. My, my actual brother. But suddenly I met all these other guys and it was suddenly we were connected. We were brothers together in God. And most men of them I would probably never see again. But it was suddenly actually I was chatting to guys over the coffee and just meeting with them, hanging around with them. And it was suddenly we're, we're in this together. We're unified because we have the same... We have the same Lord and we have the same Savior. And we might be separated by distance and what's the big cultural barriers, north and south. That's a huge cultural barrier to overcome. And I was into, I was into their territory. You know, I stood out like a sore thumb, not talking with a Yorkshire accent. But we were brothers together and it was just that unity. And Jesus prays that we would have that same revelation, that same purpose, that same mission. would be all go all about God's glory and Jesus' glory together. Last one, eternity. Eternity. Jesus prays, he says, that they would be with me forever. Jesus prayed for his followers. He said that they will be with me forever. They will be with me. They will be with you, our Father, in heaven forever. And that is a good place to be. When Jesus Christ is praying, <laughs> come I want to be with you forever. That's our destination. That's our purpose. That is beyond what we live in this life. 
Jesus said, in my Father's house there's many rooms. I'm going. Why? Prepare a place for you because you're going to come and be with me forever. There's going to be, you know, we've got a purpose in this world. There's going to be opposition from enemy. That's why Jesus had to pray for protection. There's going to be trials and tribulations. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be things we're going to have to battle through. There'll be great triumphs. There'll be setbacks. But ultimately, beyond that, there is eternity waiting. And compared to that, this life is just a, it's a breath. Jesus, it says in the, um, the Old Testament, it describes our life. It says, your life is like the dew that comes on the grass in the morning and is gone in the morning. It's there and it's, just, it's gone. And that's our life, this kind of, this breath that we live now. He says, but there is, beyond that, there is an eternity with me forever. We read about it in the end of Revelation, this kind of great picture of heaven, of the new Jerusalem coming down like a bride forever with husband and what it's going to be like and the excitement and actually being with Jesus forever. And what that actually, what that actually is, I really don't know. We get kind of glimpses and... I just know it's going to be good because you're going to be with Jesus forever on a new heavens and a new earth. And it's going to be wonderful. And Jesus prayed for that. Okay, let me finish up with a bit of um, application for you. Last little bits. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is the one thing I want to get to today. The biggest battle in your life that you will ever face the biggest battle in your life or you will ever face is maintaining your relationship with God. The biggest battle we will ever face as a church together is maintaining our relationship with God. Is maintaining our, our connectedness to Him. We will be so good at being busy, at, at getting on with the stuff doing the stuff that we might even look good doing it. We'll put on things, we'll do things, we'll, we'll do life, we'll do marriage, we'll do kids, we'll do the things of church with music and events and, and Sunday and, and programs and all sorts of things. And we can be, you can be very good at that and still lose the big battle. And the biggest battle in life is for you to maintain your relationship with Jesus to maintain your relationship with God. And we see in Christ, we see his model as he would, he would fight for here. He would leave the crowds. He would go to lonely places just so he could pray and maintain that relationship with God. And we have an example of his prayer, even in his kind of approaching his darkest hour, when all these kind of things are coming together and he knows what's before him, what does he do? He prays. He prays for himself. He prays for his immediate followers. He prays for us as his followers down through the centuries and for us as a church I want to just put that on the ground before you today I felt God speaking about the last few days the biggest battle you will ever face in your life is maintaining your relationship with Jesus you may face all sorts of relational breakdowns you may face work pressures you might face health pressures you might face financial pressures you could face all sorts of things that come into your life that look huge and look, look like I could overwhelm you and kind of take you off course. But if you l- sort of cope with them but lose the battle of your relationship with Jesus, I, I submit to you, was it worth it? We need to be a people who will fight for our relationship with Jesus, who will go after him, who will go after his presence above everything else. 
above everything else, that this will become the number one thing for us. It's something we will not bend, we will not break on, we will seek it, we will find it, we will make a priority of it in our life, where we will do what we can to commune with God. How do we go about doing it? There's the old classic ways. If you've been around church enough, it begins with prayer. We are to be a praying people, individuals. We pray to our Father in heaven. He taught us how to do that. It's not the only way, but it is a way to pray. We have that prayer, the Lord's Prayer, they call it. We can pray. We can spend prayer time on our own. We can pray with others. We can pray corporately as a church, but we are to be a praying people. And I I just kind of challenge you now. When was the last time you said, I'm going to spend some time to pray? Even if it was just minutes before you kind of left the door where you stopped, you kind of just paused and you said, I'm going to pray and speak to my Father in heaven. Because I commit to you, it should be a daily practice, a daily discipline, a daily delight. Not because you have to, because you get to. It's your Father in heaven who you get to talk to. It's not the boss you have to go and see and do your performance appraisal, which you go to a little bit of fear and trepidation. Oh my goodness, am I going to get a good grade for this? This is your father who comes. I've got two little boys at home who just love to spend time with their daddy and they can care less what's going on. They just charge in and they're just all over me and they want to you know, they want to talk to daddy. That's what they want to do. We were playing cards this morning before I came to church because it was Levi was like, daddy, we play cards, we play cards. We playing cards. And he came and he spoke to his father just because that was a delight and something in him. The Bible, how we learn about God, it's all in there. This is our book. This is the only book we'll ever need. This is the one we should be investing time and energy. I challenge you, when was the last time you sat down and just read the Bible? Even if it was just a chapter, a section, are you working through John with us? You know, that's if you're not, that's a good place to start. Read a gospel, read the gospel of John. We've been teaching through it. There's lots of stuff that will come up. Do you take time on a regular basis to read the Bible and maintain your relationship with Jesus? If you don't, I challenge you, do it. Make the time, make the investment. God wants to get to know you more than you want to get to know him. He, he, is, he is after you, and he is desperate to get to know you. So I challenge you, put the time aside, do it. We also have times of worship where we gather here in our sort of life groups here on a Sunday when we gather for our prayer meeting, that we worship and we just get to kind of talk to our Father in heaven, give him praise, give him glory. He's worth it, and they are wonderful times. And so the biggest battle in your life is, are you going to maintain your relationship with God? Are you going to maintain your relationship with God? Are you going to invest time and energy of it? Because it will pay dividends. And what Jesus prayed, last, I'll just kind of sum up with this. The last bit, Jesus wants to know you. There's a Father in heaven who wants to know you. He wants to get to know you. And what Jesus prayed, if we kind of dig down into it, he's promised us a growing revelation of himself. It's not like you just get it. And that's it. There's actually a growing intimacy. He's probably saying, actually, I want them to know you just like I know you, Jesus says. And it's like, whoa, do you know God like God the Father like Jesus did? I submit we probably don't. And so there's a promise of a growing level of intimacy with God. The more you walk with him, the more you walk with Jesus, the more you kind of invest in it, we, we have a growing level of intimacy, which means it should never be in a place where it gets stale or dry or kind of... Ugh. Because there's always more to learn. You mentioned about being infinite. God is infinite. How can you ever get to the bottom of that? 
<laughs> he is infinitely loving. Can you ever plumb the depths of that? Infinitely kind, infinitely grace, gracious, infinitely merciful. There are so much to get to the bottom of that. And he loves you. And you might be thinking, all oh, the things that are kind of stopping me going to Jesus, like things I've done or things I'm ashamed of or stuff. He's your Father in heaven. He just loves you for who you are. I've got two boys at home. They're really good at doing those things, not doing what they're told and, you know, going where they shouldn't and all that. But you know what? They're still my sons and I love them. And that's how God looks at you. He just loves you for who you are. Jesus chose you out of the world to be his and he just loves you and he wants to get to know you. And there might be things in your life, just you go to him, deal with it. Say you're sorry, repent of your sins and then move on. God will forgive you. He's promised to do that. Jesus also said, we have a growing relationship. There's an order to this. We have a growing relationship with him, but Jesus also promised success in our mission. Interesting. How, did you, how do I know that? Well, he prayed for his disciples that they would be set apart for purpose. And then what did he do? He prayed for the people who would come after and believe. You follow the train of logic. He knew the disciples would be successful. If not, he wouldn't have prayed for us. It would have stopped there. I'm going to pray for the disciples, and then that's it, because... No one else is going to come to know me. Oh, actually, no, I'm going to pray for everyone who believes beyond that. That's you. That means we're on this mission. We've been set apart. We have a growing relationship with our Father in heaven. We've been set apart. We've been chosen to do something for him, to communicate that. And he says, guess what? There's going to be more. There's going to be more. We had someone become a Christian in this church a couple of weeks back. Well, hey, success. We've got people on the Alpha praying, um, asking questions. We were praying for them on Wednesday night. God, would you break in? Would you reveal yourself to them as Father? Would you save them? God is going to give us success on our mission. God is going to grow us as a people. He's going to grow us as a body, kind of worldwide universal church. But I'm in faith that he's going to do it here amongst us. And guess what? He's going to use you. Isn't that exciting? Well, it's, yeah. really, that's it's just, yeah. Oh. Really exciting. And he's going to bring men and women and children into this body, and we're going to be connected with them with an unbreakable eternal bond of the Holy Spirit between us. And then he's going to multiply us more and more. That's good news. And then what's going to happen at the end is one day we will all be with him forever. You might look around and think, really? With them? But yes, we will, because they'll be perfect. All those annoying things about them will be dealt with when they have this new body. And so what, guess what, so will you. So we won't rub each other up the wrong way. So it really will be good. It really will be heavenly. Won't that be great? Those people who think, really, do I have to spend eternity with him? Because eternity is like a long time, Lord. He says, yeah, but I'm going to sort them out and I'm going to sort you out. And it's going to be absolutely wonderful. The biggest battle you're going to face in your life is maintaining your relationship with Jesus. But take heart. He's prayed for you. Jesus has prayed for you. Jesus has chosen you out of the world. He set you apart with a purpose and he's prayed. He said, God the Father, I want you to have the same relationship with you that I do. I want them to have the same revelation of you that I do. And so that's good news. It's not dependent on your effort driving it all because we have a God in heaven, sovereign Lord, who is pulling you towards himself all you've got to do is just take that time to invest in that to plug into that God's grace is there in abundance to pull you to himself and he's not he's not expecting you to drive it he's there pulling you. that's why I put the Holy Spirit in you 
come to me, come to me, you're mine. And he wants to reveal himself to you. And so I commend you, we're going to worship in a band. Do you want to come up, Matt? Are you going to come and lead us? We're going to give our times now. Make an effort now. Make a decision now. I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to go after him. I'm going to engage with these songs. I'm going to sing and I'm going to think about what we're singing. I'm even going to just talk to him if I need to. Tell him how wonderful he is. Tell him how gracious he is. If there's anything on your heart that's getting you down, pour it out to him. I don't think anyone's ever moaned at me about, do you know what, I poured out my burdens onto Jesus and I feel worse for it. <laughs> no one's ever said that. People say, I cast my burdens on him and do you know what, kind of, I got the peace of God, anxiety lifted. They may not have changed, but my perspective on them changed. My attitude towards them changed. If you're in that situation, do it now. We might even get an opportunity to pray for you at the end. I don't know how it's going to go. But take that decision to go after God. When it comes tomorrow morning, make that decision to go after God in your life. Before you get out, before you go to work, whatever, however it works, take those moments to just pray. Just stop, pause, pray. Read the Bible. Do whatever it is you need to do to make it work and fight for it. Because it's the battle the enemy wants you to lose. And he'll start by making you lose one day at a time. And suddenly one day becomes a week and a year, and et cetera, et cetera. So go home, find your Bibles, take some time, pray, work it out. Work it out with families. I understand pressures of small children. I have that one. But actually, go after a relationship with God. Amen? Do you understand? I'm going to pray. We're going to hand over. And we're going to worship Jesus. Lord God, I want to thank you that you chose us, Lord Jesus. I want to thank you that you chose us, God, that we didn't choose you, you chose us. You pulled us out of the world, Lord God. I want to thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you went away so the Spirit could come. I thank you you made that possible by your death and resurrection on the cross, Lord Jesus. I thank you that we as a people, even us in the room, are unified with an unbreakable bond in you. Because you saved me the same way you saved everyone else in here. You know me the same way you know everyone else in here. What connects me to them is the same thing as connects them to me. We have the same good news, the same gospel. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you. That. I thank you you've given us a mission, a purpose, a direction, something to do for your glory, something that will bring us joy and will do us good as we communicate the good news to those around us. Lord, I thank you. I thank you you've empowered us for that task. We're not even doing that alone. Lord, you've even promised a success in that. Others are going to come to know. Lord Jesus, there will be a multiplied kind of congregation before you, worshipping you, Lord. I thank you for that. And I thank you for the end goal where we will be with you forever. Lord Jesus, it's not just kind of, you know, let's get on with it now and that's it. No, there's something better beyond. And even that breaks into life now. Eternal life has begun in us already. When we were born again and we became from death to life, you're actually living in the good of that now. The Holy Spirit is that down payment, a deposit, guaranteeing the future, the inheritance you're going to receive. Lord, I thank you for that, Lord God. We've got that taste of heaven now already. And Lord God, I ask you to come fill us with your spirit now that we may worship you, love you, honor you, and glorify you. And God's people said...